Phone's favorite game. Been an incredible week for sport. Weekend on me. We've had the Rugby World Cup. But I don't care about rugby. We've had the US Open in the tennis. Coco Golf went and won her first title. That's her first Grand Slam. I've been following her career since she first started. So shout out to Coco. That's a huge moment for her. And Izzy Adesanya got slumped in the UFC. Lost his UFC middleweight title fight. That was a surprise. Bisping was telling people to go bet on Adesanya and everything. And Izzy went and lost. Nobody saw that coming, did they? But this is the sport, man. This is what can happen. Things like that happen in football all the time, don't they? Giant killings. There's one that we can talk about a bit later. We've got so much to talk about. Last time out, I told you guys that I was going to do a little transfer focus this time, but I didn't expect that we was going to have so much to talk about from the international break. So I've got a bunch of stories and I'm recording late as ever. So yalla yalla like they say in an RSO. No, yo, let's go, man. Let's go. So we have headlines look at that. i even got my notes open let's go headlines the transfer window is closed we've got the european championship qualifiers on we've got the conmebol world cup qualifiers on and we've got the afcon qualifiers on as well as some world friendlies now brands you know me i like to get around a bit today i went a bit crazy i've gone and got as Marker, Sky Sports. I think I pretty much got everything apart from the BBC. I went absolutely nuts to, uh, this week. Um, BN Sports, TNT Sports, Transfer Marked. I got all kinds of stuff in there. There's even something from the big issue, which is a bit random, but there you go. But hey, I, I hopefully, if you guys get the little uh, show notes, then you'll enjoy reading all of these articles and hopefully you'll enjoy hearing me talk about them too. But without further ado, let's go now you know how we do on this podcast ladies first this is a story this is like breaking news this happened just while i was putting the notes together before i click record we've got a tweet from the attacking third podcast shout out to them i quite like what they do over there at uh, cbs and the headline says breaking luis rubiales says he's resigning as president of the rfef in an interview with piers morgan so I'm sure the ladies and the people interested in women's football will be quite happy to hear that news after this has been the biggest story uh, in football over the past week or so. And it's kind of ending with Luis Rubiales stepping down. So that's a bit of a dub. Something that might not be seen as a bit of a dub is this story from The Athletic. You're going to need an Athletic subscription to be able to read it probably. They don't do many free articles. But uh, if it works, it works. You know what I mean? If you click on it, go on then. Fair enough. This one title is Hatafi manager defends decision to sign Mason Greenwood from Manchester United. Now, I think of all of the stories I came across regarding Mason Greenwood, I thought this was quite an interesting perspective because the Hatafi manager is talking about this is why I'm signing the lad. Now, 
I know a lot of people think he should never play football again. Nobody should ever sign him and stuff. But I don't, you know what? I don't even want to comment on this one. This is a sticky one. As far as we know, let's just quote. Let's just quote what they've said here, right? It is too delicate a situation to trivialize this issue. Everyone knows what happened and the appropriate measures were taken. Everyone knows how it ended with a non-conviction. He is a footballer of a very high level and comes to Hetafe with enormous enthusiasm. For our part, we want to help him. I have already told my partner what I had to tell him. I can only talk about soccer. We will know the potential he has. He is a very young kid. Because of the potential he has, if he improves his soccer, he can improve. We talked to him and we wanted to improve his status and we can help him in that sense. Well, the Man United fans really didn't want him playing for Man United again. He's actually still under contract over there. But he's gone on loan to Hetafe. And to be honest with you, I kind of like what's going on here. I like that he's been given a second chance. I like that, you know, he's gone to a smaller club. He's taken a step down. And he's going to get a chance to get his head down. And, you know, I think redemption is the thing. People should be given the opportunity to redeem themselves. And we'll see. We'll see if we're going to get... An all new clean cut Mason Greenwood going forward. He's going to be playing in Spain. I might actually just follow him in Spain. If anybody's upset about that, please let me know. Um, if you don't want to hear any Mason Greenwood updates, please do let me know. But I'm probably going to be following this young man um, as I do like to follow the Brits abroad. Well, we've had uh, a disaster pretty much happen this week in Morocco. An earthquake. The last I heard, the death toll was shocking. Really sad situation. Um, I've got this article from AS where the headline is Morocco players donate blood for earthquake victims. Um, so that's the reason why I'm talking about this because they've got a picture of Hakimi and he's got a big thumbs up, solemn look on his face, as you can imagine. But he's given blood, he's donating blood, and the Moroccan team are all doing that to support the people in their country I saw that um, they were all in a hotel there was a hotel that had taken them people in and were trying to look after people and I just think this is a positive thing positive uh, thing to emerge from that very sad story swiftly moving on we've got another positive thing which is the Sidemen charity match now me personally I'm not that aware of the Sidemen at this point. I know that they're a bunch of YouTubers, but I didn't realize until I started looking into this charity match that these guys are ginormous. Like they are huge. And this charity match raised over two million pounds. Excuse me. They had a sold out crowd in the London stadium, according to this uh, post by ESPN FC. And it's two point four million two million four hundred and nineteen thousand four hundred twenty nine. That looks like the total in pounds sterling. So shout out to the side man. That is a hugely positive thing. I'm not sure what charity that's going to, but that's a sizable amount, 
and that should make a huge dent in some problems there man that's huge um now i kind of just wanted to help people to understand the scale of what's going on with these sidemen right like if i pop over to youtube and have a look at what's trending right at the top the sidemen charity match the official stream it's over three hours long and it's trending it's the number one trending video on youtube so the match was yesterday and it's got 18 million views already that's incredible isn't it 18 million views in one day and as you scroll down you've got the adesanya fight which has 1.8 million views well that was a an interview from the adesanya fight the England game is on there with like 400,000 views. You've got the Chelsea game. So Chelsea also did a charity match yesterday and they've got 1.4 million views. So Chelsea legends versus FC Bayern legends. 1.4 million views but the Sidemen charity match 18 million views and the lineup is like if you're a heavy YouTube user I'm sure you know everybody involved I can personally say okay I know a few of them Mr. Beast is in there um, KSI is in there and actual speed speedy and I'm sure there's lots more than everybody else uh, I think Young Philly was in there as well I noticed Young Philly in the team and so what they do is they do this charity match every year they've been going for quite a few years now and i just think this is hugely positive they've raised a ridiculous amount of money it's incredible when you actually watch the show i'm going to put all of the links in as i always do when you actually watch the show you're going to notice that there's a very high production value that they've got going on there and one thing that i really like about it is how it's just like a bunch of regular guys these youtubers really they're just like people like you and me i suppose you guys listening you know we're all like people who might just kick ball in the park or play like five aside seven aside stuff like that every now and again maybe you might play 11 aside some people play like saturday league sunday league they play 11 aside every week don't they but like we're not professionals that's the point and these guys are doing their thing but they're covering it like a professional match. they're playing at the london stadium where premier league matches are played it's absolutely fantastic i recommend you all watch it uh, I've got the highlights in there which is about 10 minutes long so you don't have to watch the whole three hour live uh, show if you, if you don't want to but it's a recorded show now but yeah I'd recommend watching the highlights and they've been taken quite seriously by the industry as well there's like football analytics platforms that picked up on these players and they one of them did a little they took a look at I show speeds game <laughs> and they're giving us some numbers here. So Squawqua is a, a platform I like to use for football analysis. They said that he's got he's won ten duels. He did six ball recoveries. He completed five out of ten take-ons. He got five shots, but he missed two big chances. He created two big chances. He won two fouls. Two offside decisions went against him. His XG was one point six eight. He got one assist, and he also missed the penalty. So it's a busy game for Speedy. 
Um, and they've ended their tweet by saying, I shall speed is cursed in front of goal. <laughs> With the little uh, skull and crossbones emoji. Um, yeah, that, that, and there's a hilarious moment as well when he took his penalty and KSI was in goal and he kind of just fluffed it and then collapsed to the ground and KSI came over to do some trash talk. Yo, KSI loves his trash talking. So that's a hilarious moment from the match. There's loads of other hilarious moments. I saw another one where one of these YouTubers got uh, a yellow card from the referee. I think it's a retired ref. It looked like Mark Clattenburg. And so the, the ref's got to give me a yellow card and the YouTuber's going to pull out a you know reverse card on the ref, which I thought was absolutely hilarious. Um, and that, I guess that's the kind of random stuff that you might get happening at a Sidemen FC match. The Sidemen FC versus the YouTube All-Stars. Absolutely, like, just good fun, man. Good. I think you guys should watch it. I think everyone will like it. And I just love the fact that it's, it's just everyday kind of guys playing football. Um, I've also got... A little link to some highlights of Speedy's game. We talked about his stats. You can watch him. And like I say, this is just like regular guys. You know, no one's a professional here. So you can see that he's not a professional player. But he's got something about him. He's got a little tech. He's got some speed. Well, obviously his name is Ashall Speed. Um, and he's playing on the wing. You know, he roasted a man a couple of times with some wing play. And yeah, I'm just super excited about this. Because now I'm going to start following the sidemen a lot more. And watching what they're doing. Shout out to them. Um, swiftly moving on. Let's talk about England, man. The European Championships qualifiers. England, 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 England. Like, we all wanted England to go and smash the Ukraine. 3-0 or something. Assert some dominance and just look like the world-class team that we all think England is. But they struggled. And... Everyone's upset about it. I've got this article here from ESPN where James Olly, you may have seen him on the on the TV on ESPN FC, and he's a senior writer over there. Uh, so he's written a good piece here about the selection issues and all of the little details. I think it's a good read. You guys should go and read that. Um, and he ends by saying. I think Ukraine made it difficult to find space in midfield, so credit to them. Oh, excuse me, that's Southgate saying that. Um, they defended in a very compact way. That helped with us having control up to that point, and then we turned too many balls over that we wouldn't normally do. So, yeah, I wouldn't expect that to happen again. And the writer has kind of finished by saying, Southgate has earned the right to make any choices he sees fit given the scale of England's progress during his seven-year tenure. And it's worth remembering that in this Group C campaign, England won in Italy for the first time since 1961. To suggest further improvement is coming, it just hasn't consistently arrived yet. So I like the way that he wraps up his article there. Um, I don't think you'll get that opinion from many. A lot of people are very, very heavy on the critique for Gareth Southgate a lot of fans I'm seeing Southgate out like they want to get another manager in me personally I don't know if that's going to be the answer because as an England football fan I've seen this kind of thing time and time again we've had glorious teams we've had fantastic players we've had Ashley Cole we've had Steven Gerrard we've had Wayne Rooney those guys didn't win anything they were winning everything at the club level Champions League league titles whatever you want but when it came to international level, they didn't win anything. 
and it got to a point where people started thinking all right let's go and bring in the best coaches you know instead of just having an english manager managing the english team let's bring in the best coaches and you know we had sven goran erickson we had fabio capello we still didn't get anything so for those saying okay sack southgate and get someone else in like who do you who like I would love you guys to hit me up and tell me who do you think should replace Gareth Southgate if you want him out me personally my mind is blank I don't have any answers to that question I always thought Arsene Wenger could be an interesting choice for an England manager because you know the football that Wenger played maybe he could get the best out of an England team especially with the technical footballers they have now can you imagine Arsene Wenger with the likes of Phil Foden and Jack Grealish Bellingham like Wenger's team would slap wouldn't it that Wenger ball with those players it would be it would be incredible to watch but maybe Wenger's finished now maybe you can't bring him out of his FIFA role you can't bring him back into football management maybe you need another choice is there anyone that you think would be a good choice to replace Gareth Southgate? I'm not so sure I think he's doing a good job I'm quite happy with him I think there's been times when the players have let him down more than there being a problem with him and his tactics and things like that being a defender he's pragmatic I appreciate that but let's get into some player ratings we've got uh, an article here from Sky Sports they've said Carl Walker was superb and the ratings are Jordan Pickford 6 Kyle Walker 8 Ben Chiuel 6 Harry Maguire 6 Mark Gahey 7 Declan Rice 6 Jordan Henderson 7 Jude Bellingham 7 James Madison 6 Bukayo Saka 6 Harry Kane 7 and then the subs Marcus Rashford 4 Phil Foden 4 I feel like they were a bit harsh on Rice I don't think he put a foot wrong he didn't do anything what have they said here will be accused of failing to track his Arsenal teammates Zinchenko for Ukraine's opener and did not look quite his best throughout Rice has had better games in an England shirt nah, I think that's harsh because I remember when that goal went in and I was thinking what is Maguire doing in the box right there I thought that was Maguire's responsibility to be in a position to be able to stop Sinchenko but I guess if you want to critique England's midfield then yeah who was the defensive linchpin in the midfield should be tracking back they should be in the box maybe they should be tracking the midfielder maybe that's the player that you're marking right your opposite number if you like so they may have some sort of a point there he may have had a role in England conceding a goal but I do think that's a bit harsh he had a good game I remember there's one clip of him collecting the ball from Modric I just thought that was class the way he kind of just stepped up and intercepted the ball so clean didn't have to make a messy tackle or anything he's a classy player uh, well Hopefully it's, uh, it's on to bigger and better results for England. Someone who is doing things that are bigger and better is Arsenal's own star boy, Bukayo Saka. He won an award recently. Jeez, I actually forgot to research that and to get a story. Maybe I can get one retroactively to put into the notes. But he won the England Man of the Year award again. That's back to back two years in a row. He really is the star boy. I've got a little article here that was published in Big Issue where he gets a chance to kind of just talk from the heart and talk about life. And it's quite an interesting read if you are a Bukayo Saka fan. 
Sticking with the European Championships, Pascal Gross makes his senior Germany debut aged 32 years old and 12 years after he last represented the national team at any level. I always like to see these kinds of stories, man. 32 years old, still doing new things, still doing stuff for the first time. A lot of people might think someone that age is finished, but I think at international level, they really value the experience, don't they? And so he got a chance to play for his nation. And he's a good player as well, and he's part of that the Zerbi Bournemouth, Bournemouth, that the Zerbi Brighton team playing this incredible, attractive attacking football. And I'm going to enjoy watching him for the rest of the season. They're going to be in Europe. I can't wait to see Brighton in Europe and see what they do. And they've just signed Ansu Fati, haven't they? Imagine that, Ansu Fati playing for the Zerbi at Brighton. It's just going to be exciting. Um, but talking about Ansu Fati, Barcelona midfielder, another Barcelona midfielder, Ilkay Gundogan, he was involved in Germany's game where Pascal Gross made his debut and unfortunately for them it wasn't a good result they actually ended up losing 4-1 to Japan interestingly enough they had Japan in their group in the World Cup and they lost 2-1 to Japan in their group and after the World Cup they had a chance to redeem themselves and they've lost 4-1 to Japan now so it looks like things have regressed since they've last played Japan right and Gundogan is quoted here as saying we have to admit Japan were defensively and offensively better than us and we won the game excuse me and won the game deservedly so no excuses from the world class midfielder and there can't be any excuses from the coach because this is another bit of breaking news before I started recording got a tweet here from Ben Jacobs saying Hansi Flick has been sacked as Germany head coach nine months before Euro 2024 so all these games are in preparation to the tournament and they've just sacked the coat they just had enough and I think that was a clear sign of regression there wasn't it you lost 2-1 to Japan in the World Cup 4-1 now in like a world friendly I said sticking with the European Championship tonight and Japan aren't even in Europe <laughs> world friendly so Rudy Voller, Hans Wolf and Sandro Wagner will take charge of the team for the friendly with France which is coming up in the week on Tuesday but Hansi Flick is out of here I've got the highlights here if anybody wants to see that about 8 minutes long shout out to Vice Play Sports UK giving us these clips on the YouTube love to see that things you love to see another thing you love to see is the story of 16 year old Lamine Yamal the next Barcelona superstar we talked about him in a previous episode and this time he's got nothing to do with Barcelona he's played for Spain and he's become their youngest ever player to debut for Barcelona and Spain and he scored as well so yeah 16 years old breaking records playing for Barcelona playing for Spain just absolutely fantastic what a start for this lad he's going to have a great career isn't he and if you want to read that this is a story from ESPN by Sam Marsden and Moises Lawrence uh, so yeah you can go and get that in the show notes 
And I think what I was supposed to have here is a link to the, the match. All right, which is simply moving on. <laughs> this story makes me laugh just a little bit because it comes from Al Jazeera. So it's not every day that I'm going to get a story from Al Jazeera, but the funny thing is the strap line in this, or subheading, if you will, in this story, right? Al Hilal's Neymar scored his 78th and 79th goals for Brazil in a 5-1 World Cup qualifying demolition of Bolivia. Yes, if you'd forgotten, Neymar is in the Saudi league and he plays for Al Hilal. And this is why I'm now getting news from Al Jazeera of all places. Hey, I mean, it's world's favorite game, so within world media. And he breaks Pele's goal scoring record in this match. Neymar becomes the highest goal scorer in the history of Brazil. That is incredible. And he plays in the Saudi league. I mean, what, what do you say? What do you say? I mean, he's a fantastic player. He looks brilliant on the ball. He's the kind of Brazilian that you want to watch, you know, the guy with the flair, with the skills. But he hasn't been very consistent. When he was at Barcelona, he looked incredible. As soon as he left, I was thinking, why leave? Like, you're playing with Messi, you're playing all this fantastic football. We go into the French League, which is kind of a step down in terms of quality. And... You know, it just didn't really seem like ever since he went to PSG, it seemed like, you know, it was. It seemed like his game went downhill, man. It seemed like he peaked at Barcelona, but he's 31 years old now. So we'll see what happens for him in the Saudi league. Yalla, yalla. Um, but shout out to Neymar. That is officially the greatest goal scorer in the history of Brazil it kind of breaks my heart to say that a little bit because for me the greatest goal scorer should be someone like Pele or it should be R9 I think R9 was third in that list Brazilian Ronaldo R9 he's my favourite I, I absolutely loved him when I was a kid went down the park and tried to practice the skills that I saw him do he was fantastic did I ever tell you guys that I saw him play I went to the World Cup in Germany Dortmund 2006 and I saw Brazilian Ronaldo play he was towards the end of his career but he's still absolutely fantastic and for me I would love it for him to be Brazilian's record goal scorer but it just so happens it's Neymar and you know he's a fantastic player I shouldn't be disappointed but it is what it is man shout out to Neymar um, so if anybody wants to see that game Brazil versus Bolivia where it's like a historic match now isn't it well, this is the one where Neymar became the record goal scorer for Brazil you can see that's in the show notes okay we've also got highlights of Uruguay versus Chile so these are the economy bowl matches we're getting into now economy bowl uh, World Cup qualifiers um, got a lovely little story here sticking with the South American theme from Enzo Fernandez, right? This this one's a tweet put out by Bleacher Report Football. And what they've said, what they've done is they've done a throwback to when Enzo wrote a letter to Leo Messi after he retired from international football in 2016. There's a little video 
um, and you know there's like a screenshot of the letter he wrote I can't read it because it's in Spanish I think they speak Spanish in Argentina but it looks like Spanish and you know it's emotional because it's like Messi retired and a lot of players were writing him and saying Messi you're my idol like you had such a great career blah 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 I think it's things like that that inspired him to want to come out of international retirement and he did and he came back and when he came back he won the World Cup could you imagine he comes out of international retirement wins the World Cup for the first time in his career and it was things like this the kind of support and the encouragement this is what helped him to come back this is what helped him to do arguably the greatest thing that he's ever done in his career like he would never would have done that without the support of his teammates you know um, so that is just a beautiful story and to round it off this weekend Messi scored a free kick for Argentina in to, um, to defeat Ecuador 1-0 it's a fantastic free kick trademark Leo Messi quality <coughs> excuse me whips it around the keeper that's in the show notes swiftly moving on we know that Messi plays in the MLS these days and uh, as he was away with his nation he missed the last match uh, which was Inter Miami versus Sporting Kansas City taking a quick look at the MLS table in the Eastern Conference Miami are second bottom 14th in the league they've been there since before Messi came and all of his performances have been in the cup competitions pretty much I think he's only played one league game so far. And so they're still rooted to the bottom of the table. And the season's coming towards an end, but they're not down and out, right? They've got the playoffs in this league. And the play, the team at the bottom of the playoffs is in ninth place. So you have to finish ninth to make it into the playoffs. And since Messi's come, the catalyst that he's been, the way that everyone stepped up their game, if they can make it into the playoffs, maybe they can go all the way. You know, maybe they can go all the way and win the playoffs. So let's see. The thing about Miami is they've got two games in hand on DC who are sitting in ninth. And yeah, there's a lot of teams in that mix between 10th and 14th that have played more matches. The points difference isn't that high. It's like six points between Miami and DC DC on 34 points Miami on 28 points they've got two games in hand it's possible it's doable that they can they can get into the playoffs man so yeah let's see what Miami can do from now to the end of the season and I think this match is proof that Inter Miami isn't just about Leo Messi it's not Leo Messi FC because he was away with Argentina and guess what happened? Inter Miami beat Sporting Kansas 3 1. Uh, so, yeah, that's a great result. Some good goals in there if you want to see them. Uh, we had a goal from Campana. He had a penalty in the first half. Then we had a goal from which was created by DeAndre Yedlin picking the ball up on the right some fantastic win play getting to the byline whipping in across 
and Campana just leaping like a salmon and absolutely burying. It was just like a towering header. They didn't have a chart. That was a great goal. I love them kind of old school center forward goals, you know? Great ball, great header. And uh, the last goal was a bit of a cheeky one because it was one of those free kicks where the players are kind of arguing about it. And then the Miami team thought quick. It was Busquets on the ball. He just thought quick and he thought, wait a minute, can I take a free kick? And he was like, he just took it. And it was, so it was a quick free kick, caught the opposition off guard. The young boy, Facundo Farias, he was unmarked pretty much. Picked up the ball in the opposition's um, area and just tucked it around the keeper. So the other team might feel like that goal was a bit unfair, but it's like one of those things. Do you remember like in boxing when Mayweather was fighting... Oh, I forget this youth's name. He was a Spanish youth. Victor. Vicious Victor Ortiz. It was Ortiz versus Mayweather. And Ortiz took his eye off the ball, man. He, and he, he was like turning around and almost like trying to shake gloves with Mayweather. And Mayweather just sparked him out. Bang! And people might say, oh, that's unfair, you shouldn't have. But it's like, you're supposed to keep your gloves up at all times when you're in the ring, man. And if the referees allowed it, then it's your fault for getting caught slipping, I suppose. Anyway, yalla yalla, let's keep it moving. I found something interesting called the CONCACAF Club Ranking. The regional results are out. The latest edition of the CONCACAF Club Rankings, right? Now... CONCACAF is one of those federations. If you're not aware of them, it's kind of like how we have UEFA in Europe and they've got CONCACAF in the Americas. On the first page, they've got this little embedded YouTube slideshow that we've got here, YouTube, uh, Instagram. And on the first slide, we're looking at the CONCACAF club ranking and it's dominated by Mexican teams. Monterrey's number one, Club America's number two, Tigres number three, Club Leon number four, Toluca number five. And then we've got an MLS team in number six, Philadelphia Union. And another Mexican team, Guadalajara. Ooh, I can't even pronounce that. Guadalajara. And then you've got Pachucha, Pachuca another Mexican team and now you got Nashville USA team and Atlas from Mexico that rounds off the top 10 um, in the Central American clubs you've got Olympia who's number one from Honduras and Saprissa from Costa Rica Ala Alajuelense Alajuelense from Costa Rica in third Comunicaciones from Guatemala in fourth and Motaguia from Honduras in fifth. And looking at the top Caribbean clubs, we've got Violetti from Haiti, they're number one. Don't know anything about Haitian football to be honest with you, this is all new to me. We've got Cibao FC from Dominica in second. Mount Pleasant from Jamaica in third and reggae boys there yeah and in fourth we've got Defence Force that's a hard name Defence Force the fourth rated Caribbean club from Trinidad and we've got Arkahei from Haiti in fifth 
Okay, and then we've got a little uh, look at the biggest movers. So the clubs that are moving up and moving down. And in number 12, we've got Inter Miami. They've moved up 29 places to be the 12th biggest club. So I'm pretty sure over time they're going to keep moving up these rankings. You know, they've won the League's Cup. That's going to take them up the rankings. I'm not sure what the point system is just as of yet. But I'll find out for sure, for sure. Um, and I'd like to see them keep moving up that list. Yeah, so apparently the biggest upset was when Inter Miami played Philadelphia in the League's Cup semi-final and they smashed them 4-1. I remember that game very well. Leo Messi played an absolute blinder. So... There you go. I thought that was quite an interesting look at some leagues and some clubs that maybe we don't think about so much in Europe. Talking about clubs from Central America, we've got a tweet from Fabrizio Romano. And he says, Marcello Flores, a youth player from Arsenal, has signed a contract to be a new Tigris player on a permanent deal. So, Flores is leaving Arsenal and he's going to play for Tigres. It's like, it's got me thinking maybe I should be watching this Mexican football. I kind of want to watch more of these leagues from around the world. And if I can get access to Mexican football, why not? Especially now that there's a little red boot over there. I do like following the Arsenal lads, the youngsters. So yeah, Tigres might have to be my Mexican team. Swiftly moving on, another interesting find was the Kings League. If you guys haven't heard about the Kings League, this thing looks exciting as hell. Um, I've got a, quite an innovative article here from AS. What they've done is they've done an Instagram style story. They've embedded like a, a story style system into their website. And so you got all these cards flashing up with loads of little bits of text and some images and they're telling the story of what's going on with the Kings League it's founded by Gerard Piquet and it's like a seven aside tournament he looks absolutely fantastic and there's a few presidents of different clubs um, the, you know there's a few big names in there they've they've got they're doing it large I'm actually liking what I'm seeing here uh, Sergio Guerrero and Ica Casillas are presidents with teams. So you've got like Casillas versus PK, stuff like that. This is kind of cool, man. I like what they're doing. Uh, they've changed the rules. So it's not like regular football. When they have to do a penalty kick, they have to dribble it up from like the halfway line and stuff like that. The games have a different duration. There's all kinds of rules in this thing that are different. And it looks fantastic. Seven aside. I recommend you guys go and watch it. There's links in the show notes to their Twitch channel. They broadcast their games live on Twitch. And I just got, I found out about this earlier. And I just clicked on the Twitch link. And it just so happened that they were streaming the game live. So I got to see it straight away as soon as I found out about it. And it looks great it looks awesome honestly I'm going to be watching this myself and I recommend you guys can tune into that too how are we doing for time 39 minutes gone the yellow yellow didn't quite go according to plan you know I get caught up into it I love football don't I? I'm always talking about football um, I kind of wanted to do a transfer 
deep dive. But let's try and run through it quickly, man. Um, so did a bit of research into the transfers and stuff. And what I found out was that this, uh, this, this period, right? FIFA has told us that it's an all-time high on international transfer fees. It's a record high on transfer fees. 7.4 billion US dollars. Amazing, right? 7.4 billion. And so we know the summer window is from like July to September. And in the Premier League, the window closes at 11 p.m. So Friday, uh, the 1st of September, 11 p.m., window shot, bang. That's the Premier League. But did you know that it is actually slightly different in all of the leagues? Maybe some people didn't know that. I thought it might be interesting to quickly run through the top five real quick. So La Liga closes on the September 1st at 11 p.m. Serie A closes on September the 1st at 7 p.m. Bundesliga closes on September the 1st at 5 p.m. And League One closes on September the 1st at 10 p.m. It's kind of interesting. I didn't realize that there was that much of a difference between all of the times. But the Women's Super League, the WSL, is still open. The transfer window is still open in the WSL. They don't close till the September the 14th. So, Eddie, man, if you haven't signed some of these world-class women for the ladies team, you still got a bit of time to get one of those big deals, get one of these world-class Spanish ladies that won the World Cup into the club. Um, the MLS window runs from July to August. So that closed ages ago. And there's loads of other deadlines which are a bit interesting. The Saudi Arabia deadline was September the 7th. That kind of ran after September the 1st, the big deadlines in Europe, which is kind of interesting, isn't it? Um, and I found some other resources here that tell us about other deadlines. So you've got the Greek League, which is still open. They're open till the 11th. We've got the Turkish League, which is still open. They're open till the 15th. We've got the Serbian League open till the 15th and the Israeli League open till the 20th. So there's still a lot of business to be done, even though the major leagues are closed. I've got an article from Transfermark that expands on that. There's actually a number of countries that still have their transfer windows open. I had absolutely no idea. Australia and New Zealand are still open until the 12th of September. Mexico is open until the 13th of September. Russia is open until the 14th. Yeah, I had no idea about all of this. Qatar is still out there trying to sign players. They're open until the 18th. Yeah, who knew? And um, then you've got Cote d'Ivoire. So uh, if anyone in the Ivory Coast League is trying to sign the players, they can keep going for another 25 more days. They are open till the 6th of October. Um, so let's do a quick roundup. What are the biggest completed and potential transfers of the summer? Got a little something from sportingnews.com here talking about that. And 
obviously the big one this summer was Jude Bellingham wasn't it Jude Bellingham completing an 88.5 million pound or 112 million dollar move from Borussia Dortmund to Real Madrid crazy transfer another big transfer was obviously Leo Messi joining the MLS and playing for Inter Miami I still get gassed about that all the time it just seems like such a perfect fit um, I saw that they were they had did something interesting in the club shop at Inter Miami recently right because they were selling so many messy shirts that they ran out like they ran out of the current season's kit so what they did was they went into their inventory and they pulled out some stock from the first ever season when they had a white shirt so it's not the pink shirts of this season it's the white shirts from the first ever season and they put Messi number 10 on it and they started selling those in the club shop <laughs> it's kind of interesting um, but anyway loads more big transfers weren't there we've had Declan Joloff Rice yeah being a British transfer record 100 million pounds sterling 100 million squid mate moving from West Ham to the best team in the Premier League the mighty Gunners come on also big transfers were Kai Havertz and Jerian Timber properly reinforcing the squad it's going to be a good season they've got the Champions League coming up they needed the reinforcements unlucky for Jerian to get injured man we're all hurting and rooting for him but it is what it is hopefully they'll still be able to get good results without him Chelsea made a lot of money they've sold over 200 million pounds worth of players but Nkunku came in and got injured straight away we haven't even seen him play for Chelsea yet Nicholas Jackson came in he's looked alright but he missed a glaring like I think it was against Nottingham Forest it was just a glaring open goal like mate it's a tapping just it looked harder to miss it like just 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 tap that in and he put it wide crazy but he's getting in the opportunities he's getting in the positions he's getting the opportunities the goals are probably going to come at some point and they've got a run of fixtures that aren't that difficult so he should be able to get a little rhythm going and you know if he gets a rhythm going against the smaller teams by the time they face some of the bigger teams maybe he'll be in full of confidence and being grateful but yeah Jackson looks decent and he looks decent big uh, transfers were also Mason Mount Andre Onana and Rasmus Hodgland all signing for Manchester United so they are looking strong there was loads of gossip Kylian Mbappe to Real Madrid that was a huge rumour then there was that crazy rumour of Mbappe going to the Saudi league like they made an offer PSG accepted the offer but Kylian had to turn it down could you imagine if Kylian Mbappe went to the Saudi league that would have been insane and right at the death, right at the end of the window, was the Saudi coming after Mo Salah of Liverpool. Just absolutely bonkers. It's been a crazy window. It really has been a crazy transfer window. And there's some more numbers before we wrap this all up. Um, so, got an article from Marker here expanding on some of these numbers. 
Where do I even start? So many numbers. Wow. So, September 1st, transfer spending reached an all-time high of $7.36 billion, which is up 26.8% from the previous record set in 2019 and up 47.2% compared to the same period in 2022. England's Premier League topped the list for transfer spending at $1.98 billion. They signed 449 players and 504 players transferred out. We are a Premier League deficit. Have we lost more players than we've brought in? Oh, but then there's going to be players getting promoted from academies and stuff, isn't it? Um, Germany recorded the highest amount of transfer income with 1.11 billion dollars. That's interesting. A lot of German exports. What's a, a notable? German export obviously a lot of that well I'll say a lot of that but some of that is going to be Bellingham going to Real Madrid can't think of any players from Germany who signed for the Premier League Liverpool signed someone didn't they they signed a, a player who I'm not familiar with and he's playing in their centre midfield I don't know his game I imagine he's an anchor man because that's the kind of player they needed I saw him play once but I wasn't really paying that much attention. So yeah, looking forward. I, I think, I forget his name. It's like a Japanese player or something like that. A newer or something. I don't know. I'll probably go his name completely wrong. But he's in the midfield for Liverpool. He came from the German league. So, Arab soccer. Second place in transfers. Eight hundred and seventy-five million dollars. So, for all the hype about the Saudi Arabian team spending a lot of money, England still spent more. France came in number third. <laughs> Excuse me. France came in number three. They're third with eight hundred and fifty-nine point seven million dollars. Then Germany seven hundred sixty-two point four million dollars. Then Italy seven hundred and eleven million dollars. And then Spain with four hundred and five. Point six million dollars. Apparently, that Saudi money is one of the main reasons why the AFC clubs have generated 14% of the total market. And it's the first time that a non UEFA confederation has exceeded 10%. They are breaking records over there. But the women's soccer leagues are gaining ground. The spending in the women's game doubled compared to the mid-year transfer window of 22. And this, they've, it's a historic figure. They've reached $3 million. Go on, ladies. But Europe once again led the way with 634 signings and 565 players transferred. And Germany tops that list in terms of the number of transfers made, which is 55. And then France leads the number of players transferred out with 53. 829 transfers recorded. 66 of them generated transfer fees. Both figures set a new record with an increase of 19.1% and 83.3% respectively. One interesting stat is that 
$696.6 million was spent in agent fees during this transfer period. And that's another record. So, hey, anybody working as an intermediary, you guys are making bank. It's a historical period for football agents. They're making more money than ever before. To date, the total recorded for 2023 is $853 million, which is 36.9% more than in 2022. And again, it's more than in any other year. Yeah, that's a lot. So there we go. There's our summary. There's our deep dive into what happened in the transfer market. Two, two more transfers before we get out of here. Philippe Coutinho joins Qatari champions Al Duhail on a season-long loan from Aston Villa. Don't forget that I told you about Qatar. I told you a couple of weeks ago that Qatar are coming for your clot. Yeah? They're looking at what's happening in Saudi. They're doing a feasibility report. Look at the already. They're bringing in Philippe Coutinho from Aston Villa. Already they're signing Brazilians from the Premier League Castinho used to play for Barcelona and Bayern Munich man Liverpool that's a big signing another big signing bigger name is Sergio Ramos and this is a fantastic signing for me because he's returned to his boyhood club Sevilla on a one year deal this is a story from BN Sports he's 37 years old He's gone back to where it all started. It's just like a romantic football story. He's gone right back to the genesis. Returns to Sevilla 18 years after he left there to drain Real Madrid. Amazing. I remember him as a youngin, man. He came through as a fullback. He was getting it in. He was playing as a right back. And, you know, he had that youthful exuberance. He was bombing down the wing, whipping in crosses. And I just thought, this kid's gone game like, and he looked hard as well he was getting stuck in and then I actually just thought he was going to be like a solid right back but then I started seeing him playing as a centre back and I was like okay so okay maybe he was a centre back all along and they were just blooding him in as a right back but yeah great defender I actually thought he was going to be one of those players that can play both positions but he just settled into life as a centre half and that was it and for me, Sergio Ramos is probably my favorite defender of his generation. I used to call him Thanos, Sergio Thanos. Just, I just love the way he plays the game. He's so grimy, man. He just gets stuck in. He's a, he, he is a villain. That's the way he plays, man. He is like a villain. There was a charity match not too long ago he was involved in where he was tracking this player and then he went to ground and then he just pulled out. Like he just put, cause he was like, it's almost like he had the red mist. Like he turned into the Incredible Hulk. He just got super angry. And then he pulled out at the last minute. Like he was like, oh, wait a minute. This is a charity match. Wait a minute. Like he was about to chop this guy in half. That's how he does it, man. Full bloody tackles, you don't mess around. And he had this, wry smile on his face like you're lucky you're lucky this is a charity match because if this was a proper match bro you would have got absolutely torn apart uh, <laughs> um so yeah you can read about a little bit about his career here in this article he scored 101 goals 
a defender who scores 101 goals. It's fantastic, isn't it? It's such a Ramos, man. One of the best defenders that we've ever seen. Man. And that's the end of the show. That's the end. There's no more transfers in these transfer trackers that I've got open. What does it say? Transfer deadline day. Sofian Amrabat joins Man United. Tottenham signed Brennan Johnson. We know. We know about that. There's nothing more to talk about. The windows are closed in Europe. My throat is getting a bit hoarse. I might have to uh, get myself a beverage. We're closing in on an hour recorded. I wanted to yalla yalla, but hey man, I love football, so I get distracted. What can I say? But yeah, thanks for tuning in and be good to yourselves. Be good to the world. And I'm going to catch you on the next one. Peace.